Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 544. Look at Romans chapter 9, verses 14 through 23. Let's read our passage. What should we say then? Is there injustice with God? Absolutely not. For he tells Moses, I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it does not depend on human will or effort, but on God who shows mercy. For the scripture tells Pharaoh, I raised you up for this reason, so that I may display my power in you, and that my name may be proclaimed in the whole earth. So then he has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. You will say to me, therefore, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Will what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Or has the potter no right over the clay to make from the same lump one piece of pottery for honor and another for dishonor? And what if God, wanting to display his wrath and make his power known, endured with much patience objects of wrath prepared for destruction? And what if he did this to make known the riches of his glory on objects of mercy that he prepared beforehand for glory? This is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Paul is in Corinth on his third missionary journey, and he's sending this letter to Rome to give them a background, some theology to the gospel. He intends to go to Rome on his way to Spain after he accompanies the contribution for the poor people to Jerusalem. But Paul's laying out the background of the gospel. He talks about sin. Everyone's a sinner, separated from God because of sin. And the only solution is justification by faith. This is for everyone alike, Jews and Gentiles. And he's dealing now with the question, what about Israel? Chapters 9 through 11 are dealing with this question. Well, if the Jews aren't in a special position, if the law doesn't make you righteous before God, then why did God even have this group be called Israel? Why did he have the law? Why of the Old Testament? And what's all that mean to us now today? So he's answered that question. And the last time we saw him say, well, okay, if we go to talk about Israel, you have to first answer the question, who is Israel? And he laid out the distinction between physical Israel and spiritual Israel. Physical Israel are the descendants, the biological descendants. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. He said, that's physical Israel. But spiritual Israel are those who've been justified by faith. And he laid out the back, some of that background before. We said, hey, that's the way it works, is even in the physical aspect, not all of Abraham's physical descendants were part of this special group. Abraham had, well, two sons we generally talk about. He had some others, though. But the blessings went through Isaac, not through Ishmael. And then Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, twins. But the blessings go through Jacob, not through Esau. And he ended the section last time with, As it is written, I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. That's a quote from Malachi. And so the question comes up then, well, what about that? This doesn't seem fair. So verse 14, he says, What should we say then? Is there injustice with God? Absolutely not. 
So this idea of choosing some for salvation and not choosing others, well, that doesn't seem fair. That seems like an injustice. And Paul raises that question. Well, is there injustice with God? And he answers it, no, absolutely not. Now the word injustice here, we've talked about the word group deek, where we get the word righteous, righteousness, justify, which means to make righteous. And that's the word here for injustice, adika, where the a means not, as in moral and amoral. So adika means not justice or injustice. And so Paul answers the question, no, it's not an injustice here with God. Now he's going to explain why that is so. Verse 15, for he tells Moses, I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Well, he uh, speaks to Moses at Mount Sinai, and we see this in Exodus 33. Moses has been with God for some time, and he's about to, to go out into the world now, and Moses says to God in Exodus 33, starting with verse 18, Moses says, Please let me see your glory. God speaking, he said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now, this is where God reveals his glory, or at least as much of it as Moses can see, and he explains something about himself. He says, I'm going to proclaim my name, that is Yahweh. I am who I am. And part of his description of who he is is, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And Paul brings that up here. He says, okay, this idea that God has mercy in whom he wants to have mercy, that's intrinsic to who he is. And you're going to say that's injustice? No, that's, that's part of who God is. He goes on verse 16. So then it does not depend on human will or effort, but on God who shows mercy. So this whole idea of whom will experience the mercy of God, it's up to God, not up to people. It doesn't depend on what people do. It depends on what God chooses. Verse 17, For the scripture tells Pharaoh, I raised you up for this reason, so that I may display my power in you, and that my name may be proclaimed in the whole earth. Now, when we read this, it says, I raised you up for this reason. Oh, it sounds like I put you in this high position. But if you go back and read our translation of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 9, this is during the, the plagues that God is sending on Egypt. Uh, chapter 9, starting with verse 15, the Lord's instructions to Moses what to say to Pharaoh. He says, by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague and you would have been obliterated from the earth. However, I've let you live for this purpose, to show my power and to make my name known on the whole earth. So Paul shifts the language a little bit here. It says, instead, I let you live, I raised you up. And he may be referring more to, I've, I've put you in a specific position, not so much Pharaoh, but a position in the storyline of salvation history. Well, the message is, to Pharaoh via Moses is, I could have killed you a long time ago, but I've let you go this long so that my power, my glory would be displayed to the world. Paul continues verse 18. 
So then he has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. So Paul's expanding this. He, before he said he will have mercy and compassion on whom he wants to. Now he says, and he will harden who he wants to. And we see in that storyline with Pharaoh that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. We can sometimes wrestle with this. This is, this is difficult. God hardens someone's heart? That doesn't seem fair. And we sometimes try to explain it away. But the, the message from Paul here is this idea of mercy or hardening. This is God's choice. Now, we've got to remember, they're not equivalent. Because people do not start out in a neutral status. People begin, we covered this earlier in Romans, is everyone begins as a sinner under condemnation already. Everybody begins in a state of spiritual death. So they're already in this condition under condemnation. So hardening, though, increases the resistance to God, where mercy is a very different thing in that that is rescuing somebody out of that resistance to God and bringing them into a relationship with God. But the message that Paul's bringing through here is that's God's choice, not based on what people do. It's God's choice. Now, he expects some kind of pushback, and he deals with that in verse 19. You'll say to me, therefore, why then does he still find fault for who resists his will? And the challenge here is, well, if it's, if it's God's decision, then how can people still be held responsible for their sin if God's choosing all this? And it goes back to, because everybody's already under God's condemnation in the beginning, and they're not neutral players, and the scales are weighed at the end. Everybody begins as a sinner separated from God under condemnation, spiritually dead. Paul answers in verse 20, On the contrary, who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Will what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? He's loosely quoting from Isaiah 29, verse 16 here. And then he goes on, and there's some, some loose allusions to Isaiah in this. Verse 21, Or has the potter no right over the clay to make from the same lump one piece of pottery for honor and another for dishonor? So his explanation for that doesn't seem fair is, well, take it up with God. If you don't like the way God does things, go talk to God about it. And he doesn't say it that way. But the challenge is, it's not up to you to decide whether or not you think God is fair. Verse 22, And what if God, wanting to display his wrath and make his power known, endured with much patience, object of wrath prepared for destruction? This challenge here is, and what if that's all God's plan, is to display his glory in judgment by allowing the judgment of the evil to take place. And then the opposite of that, verse 23, and what if he did this to make known the riches of his glory on objects of mercy that he prepared beforehand for glory? Now, we need to step back and say, okay, what is God's ultimate goal? And God's ultimate goal is his own glory. And we're uncomfortable with that sometimes because we think, oh, gosh, that sounds kind of egotistical. Well, if for you or me, that would be egotistical. But if God is perfect, and he is, then what could be better than God's glory? 
And what could be greater for the creation than the display of God's glory? So God's ultimate purpose being his own glory is a good thing. There could be nothing better. So it is a, a good thing. And that is his ultimate goal, is his own glory. And, and Paul's saying here, both a positive and a negative, is that and God's being patient, letting some things play out. Not that he doesn't operate his plan this way, but that there will be a display of his mercy, which is his perfect mercy. There will be a display of his judgment, which is his perfect judgment. And that will display his glory, which is all according to his plan. And so his plan is playing out, which will display his perfection, his glory, based on his incredibly perfect mercy and his incredibly perfect judgment. Now, this whole section is, what about Israel? So what's all this to do with Israel? And what Paul's getting to is the idea that God's in control and that the question of why have so many Jews rejected the gospel? Well, Paul's provided the answer here because God willed it. And, and so he's going to play out this more that Israel as a nation, as a people, has been hardened. Not all individuals necessarily, but you could extrapolate to individuals as a generality. They as a people have been hardened to the truth of God. And all this is according to God's plan to lay it out for his glory. Now you may challenge that and say, well, that's not fair. Oh yeah? Well, if God did it, then it, it is fair because, you know, what's one of his characteristics is righteousness. And, and what God does is righteous. That's kind of the definition of righteous, what God does. And so that's Paul's answer to this is, you know, is he not providing a real logical explanation that we would accept and say, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. What he's basically saying is, well, this is God's choice. And you have no room to argue with God's choices because at a definitional level, God's choices are perfect. And if you want to argue, well, then take it up with God, not with Paul. He's going to continue this argument of what about Israel? We're still in chapter 9. He's going to continue it through chapter 11. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Romans.